Sunday morning and we are talking about the reason that Israel was scattered all over the earth. And the reason they were scattered is because they were a nation under judges and kings. They were under judges somewhere in the neighborhood of 375 years. A few more or less. You don't have an exact number on that. And they were, a they were under kings for approximately 510 years. And that would be from Saul. Saul didn't become the king until the ninth chapter of First Samuel. And then they, they were kings all the way to Zedekiah. And Zedekiah was the last king of southern Judah. Now northern Israel split from... The two nations were split. They were one nation called Israel. Israel until they split. And they split because of the sin of Solomon. And Solomon married 700 wives and 300 concubines. A concubine was a secondary wife. So they become two nations. Under the northern nation, that's the ten tribes. And the ten tribes had several other names. Can y'all give them to me? What was the ten northern tribes called? Israel, Joseph. Israel, Joseph. Israel. Joseph. And what else? Ephraim. One other name. What? Samaria. Some people will say, but Samaria was once a city. That's right. And they got to calling the entire nation of northern Israel Samaria. Joseph's second-born son, Ephraim, received the inheritance of northern Israel. You could say Joseph received the inheritance because he was Jacob's favorite son. And then you had southern Judah, and southern Judah was comprised of what? Huh? Benjamin. Southern. Benjamin. What? Benjamin. It was Simon. Simon. Benjamin. 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 Benjam
And I'll tell you why I believe that's why God did that. Because Benjamin, that's where Jerusalem is in the so the if Jerusalem is in Benjamin, then the temple was in Benjamin. It wasn't in Judah. Even though the king was from Judah, the temple was up here in Benjamin, in Jerusalem. Now now they all the time that they were under these kings and judges they kept going after the sun god and the moon god goddess the moon was a goddess and the sun god was represented how upon the earth how was it represented? Fire. By fire. Thank you. And how was the moon represented? Tree. By the tree. And whether people like that or not, that is the Christ mass tree. The fire and the tree god. And what was the fire god's name? What were some of the names of the fire god? Let me put it that way. Huh? Well, did you say Hercules? But what did they call it in Israel? Baal. Huh? Baal. Baal, that's right. Baal. And all those male deities was a form of Baal. If you look up McClinic and Strong, you look up Hercules, Hercules, it will say the Tyrian Baal or the Baal of Tyre. So Hercules and Baal were the same thing. And uh, what's some other names for the fire god? What was the fire god of northern Jordan or Amman Jordan? Does anybody remember? Huh? What? Northern Jordan. No. <laughs> Moloch. Do y'all remember some of the... Do you remember some of the synonyms for Moloch? Molech. Anything else? Milcom. Malcolm. That's not a good thing to name your son. Malcolm. That means you're a sun god. What was the names... What was the tree goddess called in Israel? Venus. Huh? Well, it was, but in Israel, in the Bible, what do they call it? Huh? Grove. Grove. And what is the Hebrew word for grove? Y'all should know this. I'm not answering. Well, that's the Hebrew word. Who said Asherah? Asherah. And what does that mean? Upright. The upright goddess. She was a tree goddess. And there's two chapters I always think of where you find the tree goddess. Can you remember both of them? She's all through the Old Testament. But can you remember? Chapters Jeremiah 10. And I read to you a couple weeks ago. No. Isaiah. 
44. Those are two real good references for you to reference people. Now, what I want to do is kind of, I want to introduce you to some of these kings. Introduce you. And I gave you this paper. I gave it to you some time ago. This is every king in Israel. Now I've said to you, there were three kings that were considered considered very righteous. And they're on this page here. Who were they? I don't know why. God said David was righteous, but he forgave him for his sin because he repented. And David and who else? Josiah. Josiah. And who else? Hezekiah. Hezekiah. Two great, Josiah and Hezekiah. God had fantastic things to say about them. Now, what I'm going to do is go through some of these kings. Now, on the top, on the top here, it says on this map over here, the United Kingdom. This means before they had split into two kingdoms because of the sin of Solomon. So that's this is when they became southern Judah and northern Israel. This is when northern Israel ended in 722 B.C. This is where southern Judah ended in 586 B.C. I've said that many times. Then you've got the surviving kingdom. That means that northern Israel was carried away and the only thing that was left was Judah. You have to keep remembering that Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin because the people said, give us a king. They didn't want Samuel's two wicked sons uh, leading, being the prophet for them. So they kept saying, give us a king. And and Samuel said, but God is your king. They said, yeah, but we want a king that's got bows and arrows and spears and horses. And Samuel's saying, but God has got floods and lightning bolts and earthquakes. He's got, a, he's got an armory that's bigger than anything you could have on it. Would we want a king? So God comes up and says, I'll give you a king and he'll be the wrong king. I'll give you a king out of Benjamin, and that will be Saul. You can see the introduction to Saul in 1 Samuel, the ninth chapter. And the Bible says he was a goodly man. There wasn't a goodlier man in all of Israel. And it says he was the tallest man in Israel. So later on when you see uh, you see the sons of of Jesse brought out before Saul and his eldest son Samuel. huh? Not so. What? Go ahead and say it. He didn't bring his sons out in front of Saul. He brought well he brought his sons out in front of Samuel. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, if it starts with an S, I'm liable to say the same thing. That's right. I'm liable to say Galatians instead of Genesis if it starts with a G. All right. So he brings them out, and 
he says, my oldest son is taller than anybody else. They just got through with a tall king that wasn't living right. They don't need another one. It shows you that man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So I'm trying to show you how these kings, majority of them, were wicked and evil. Some of them were semi-righteous. They were righteous to a point, but later on they'd fall. Does anybody remember the semi-righteous kings? Huh? Asa. Asa was really a good man when you first see him. He got honoring in his old age. Who else was it? Jehoshaphat. Huh? Jehoshaphat. I really like Jehoshaphat. If he just hadn't have done, he did one thing wrong. He ran around with Ahab, a murderer and a killer. And he kept thinking, I can affect Ahab and maybe win him to the Lord. <laughs> but Ahab was a believer. And anybody else you can think of? I got all of the names here on this. Who would be somebody else? Jehu. And how about Uzziah? Uzziah. Uzziah did some of the best things in Israel as far as their advancement for their city. He built all kind of aqueducts and pools and was just the most progressive king. But he was from the tribe of Judah. All the right kings were from Judah. And you had to be from Judah to be a king. But you couldn't go into the temple. And Uzziah said, I want to go into the temple and offer sacrifice. And I'm sorry, you have to be a Levite to do that. And he presumed he could go in there, and he did that after he did all these wonderful things, and God struck him with leprosy. Wow. And Jehu did one thing really bad. He killed all the... He wasn't bad when he killed all the children of Ahab, and it wasn't bad when he saw to the death of Jezebel. That was good. But... One thing he didn't do when he he got all the he called all the priests of Baal together in Israel and he said, I want all the priests of Baal to be here at the temple. Bring them all in. Okay, now block the exits. He said he said, Ahab has served Baal a little and I shall serve Baal a lot. And he said, We got all the priests of Baal in here. And they said, Yeah, they're all here. Kill them. That's the way to get rid of him. And he killed all the priests of Baal. But after he did that, which was good, he did not get rid of the golden golden calf. Golden calf. And most of the kings wouldn't get rid of the golden calf because that was significant. It was like a title. It was like a title... to the throne of northern Israel. Let's go over there to the 12th chapter of 1 Kings. Let's kind of get introduced to 
Mr. Jeroboam. Now Jeroboam, and we're going to take some time to go through some of these kings, because you've got to know how wicked most of them were, and some of the things that they did. Now Jeroboam, it looks like when you go over here, let me find my, you go over to the, I've got these, all these kings on a, up here. All right. It's on your paper that I gave you, but at the top, well, I, I don't know where I go to to find that. Here they are. Well, here's, here is the divided kingdom. Now it looks like this is, right above this should be Solomon, uh, uh, excuse me, Saul, David, Solomon, right up here. This is when God split the kingdom. And he split it under Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. Now, Jeroboam was the commanding general for Rehoboam. Just because they got uh, E-H-O-B-O-M, A-M, and E-R-O-B-O-A-M, doesn't mean they're brothers. They're not kin. Jeroboam was Rehoboam's commanding general. Rehoboam, when he got into the office of king, the old men came to Rehoboam. They said, your father, Solomon, taxed us to death. And he whipped us with whips. They said, be gentler on us and don't tax us so much. And so Rehoboam went, called in his teenage buddies and said, okay. I need to ask you what I should do. Now, that's what he needed was kids telling him what to do. You don't need that ever. And the kids of the teenage friends said, you tell him you're king. You're going to do what you want to do. Tell him your father chastised them with whips. Tell him you'll chastise them with scorpions. A scorpion was a little short whip. And it had pieces of glass and bone. That is a figure of speech. What are you saying? Tell them you're going to tax them to death. So he did. And when he said that, he told the people, ten of the tribes went north with the commanding general, Jeroboam. And Jeroboam, when... Rehoboam got his army together. He was going to attack Jeroboam. And a young prophet came to him, a guy named S-H-E-M-A-I. Shemai came to, came to Rehoboam and said, Do not attack Rehoboam, uh, Jeroboam. This is of the Lord. So Rehoboam backed off with his army. And Jeroboam got to thinking, wow, all the people that have come here with me, they're going to go back south 
down to southern Judah and follow Rehoboam if I don't do something. So he says, I will build this golden calf. This is where the golden calf permanently comes on the scene in Israel. They had been serving golden calves in Egypt along the way. But the golden calf was brought into Israel by Jeroboam. And he did not, he didn't actually say the golden calf is a different God. He simply reduced Jehovah God to a golden calf and said, Behold, the gods, the God that brought you out of Egypt is the golden calf. So from then on, everywhere you find, Jeroboam is called the son of, of Nebat. You won't the only time you find Nebat in the Bible is associated with Jeroboam and it's associated with evil. Every time a king would come along and he would do something evil concerning gods, other gods, the Bible would say he worked all the works of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. He said that about 25 times in the Bible. And that was the greatest insult that there could be. Now, Jeroboam, God says, I've got it in for you. He, was, he gave the kingdom. When the Bible says he gave the kingdom to Jeroboam, northern Israel was called Ephraim. Ephraim because it was given to Joseph. You'll find that in Genesis, the 48th chapter. I've told you the story how when, ja when Jacob came to Egypt and he's going to put the blessing upon one of the sons of Joseph, who was his favorite son, and he brings 70 people over to Egypt, and Joseph brings out his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And Jacob is there, an old man. He's blind. He can't see. And, and so Joseph brings his, his oldest son in his left hand, leads him to Jacob's right hand. The right hand conferred the inheritance. And once it was placed upon a son's head, could not be withdrawn. And jo Joseph, not knowing what was going on, guided in his right hand Ephraim to his father's left hand. And when he got close to him, this is what Jacob did. Crossed his hands and put the blessing upon Ephraim. And that's when, that's when Joseph jumped back and said, But father, Manasseh's my firstborn. And Jacob said, I may be old and blind, but I'm not stupid. I know. And it went the blessing went to the second. So when you're talking about Ephraim, you're talking about the ten northern tribes. This is why in the first century only southern Judah was back from the captivity. They're the only ones under Persian kings that got that got the 
the four decrees under Cyrus got the first decree there in Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter, under Darius got the second decree in Ezra, the, the sixth chapter, six, Ezra six. He also got the first decree in Ezra one. It was given twice. And then you got the third decree in Ezra, the seventh chapter, seven, and this these three decrees were for rebuilding the temple that had been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And then you had the fourth decree was to rebuild the city. And that was in Numbers, the second chapter, not Numbers, Nehemiah. Started with an N. Nehemiah, the second chapter. That was the fourth decree to rebuild the city. So, and that has to do with the 70 weeks of Daniel starting there. Now, what I'm trying to do is let you see these kings and what they did. They brought about this sun and tree worship. It's the same thing. I keep saying this. It's the same thing that Constantine brought into the church and he renamed the feast of Saturn or the sun god. Saturn was the father of the sun gods in Rome and the feast of Saturn was renamed Christ Mass. I've said this a thousand times. I don't know if you really understand the full meaning of it. Here's how you know that Israel was celebrating Christmas under another name. Mainly because of two verses in the Bible. Revelation 17 and 5 says Babylon was the mother. She gave birth to all harlots. This is not talking about literal harlotry. It's talking about porne is the word harlot. It means idolatry. Idolatry. So Babylon mothered all idolatry and she started back here in Genesis 11 and 4. When they're going to build, when Nimrod's going to build Babylon, they found a plain in the land of Shinar. Shinar is Babylon, and it is south, it is southern Iraq. Let me go over here. Well, let me go find a, oh, here it is. Southern Iraq. Here's Iraq right here. And that is Babylon on the Euphrates River. And they said, this is what all idolatry was founded on. All of it. So if you can prove what Constantine brought in the church, what Israel worshipped, was something other than Jehovah God, then they were the same. Because all idolatry comes out of Babylon. And this is was their doctrine. They said, let us build a city and a tower and let us make us a 
name. Let us make us a name. The word name is the word Shem. Shem was the second born of Noah, and he and he was the one who God blessed when he said, "Bless be the Lord God of Shem." And Japheth will dwell in the tents of Shem. There we are, second born, getting the blessing again, besides Ephraim, besides Jacob, besides Abel, all second borns receiving the blessing of God. They said, let us build our own Shem. We don't like Shem telling us what to do. So all idolatry came out of a parallel gospel. And all of the fire worship has a virgin mother, a virgin son, and a father of the gods. And it's just a parallel doctrine. That's what America is teaching in these churches. They're not talking about the Jesus of the Bible. They're talking about what Paul called there in 2 Corinthians 11 and 4. Paul said, there's some coming to the church here at Corinth. And they're preaching another Jesus, another spirit, another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. And we said a while ago that the gospel was the resurrection. And they're preaching a resurrection that it's past and it's not it's not daily resurrection. Anastasis is feminine gender. And they're preaching another spirit. The Holy Spirit is truth. And the other Jesus, the Bible says, is Satan transformed into himself into an angel of light. Transformed is the word meta schematizo. And it means to disguise oneself. Satanism is not the problem in America. It's in the Baptist and Pentecostal and Presbyterian pulpits. They're preaching the wrong Jesus. They're not preaching a Jesus that says, you have to take your cross and die daily. You've got to deny yourself. Deny or nail my means to contradict if you contradict the word of God, when people say, I don't believe in predestination, then you're anti-Christ. The Bible says, whosoever denieth that Jesus is the Christ, and whoever denies Christ is anti-Christ. Deny or nail my means to contradict. If you say these things aren't true, you're anti-Christ. And 1 John 2.22. If you deny Christ and say, I don't believe, I believe Christmas is okay, you're Antichrist. You're not the Antichrist, you're just Antichrist. Anti means in opposition to or in place of. You put yourself in place of Christ. You can't do that. They're preaching today no daily cross, no death to self, no self denial. That's not going on in the pulpits. They're not telling you you have to be hated by the world. And when you look at John 15, starting in verse 18, if the world hated me, it'll hate you. If it persecuted me, it'll persecute you. 
If you're of the world, the world will love his own. But because you're not of the world, the world hates you, Jesus said. So in order to be a true Christian, you have to be hated for telling people that Christmas is pagan, Easter's pagan, God doesn't love everybody. He loved Jacob and hated Esau before either one were born, before either one had done any good or evil. And if you tell people that, they're not going to like you, are they? No. Absolutely not. You may hide it along the way. But you'll come to a place one day, you say, I am miserable hiding anything. You know what happens when you quit hiding? You get free. I just, I'll say anything to anybody, anytime, any doctor, any lawyer, anybody. I won't do it in a hard, harsh way. I won't be abrasive with it. I'll say, this is the truth. I'll just say, Doc, do you believe in predestination? Well, I don't know. Well, you have to believe it. If you're a Christian, it's in the Bible. Just say that much to them. And watch them then. Watch them squirm. And if if they hate you, they won't come up and say, I hate you. They'll ignore you the next time they see you. That's what they'll do. And that is the death to self. Death is the word Thanos, T-H-A-N-A, or Thanatos, and it doesn't mean annihilation. Death means separation. And the world will separate from you. I'll tell you what the world is not going to like if you tell them. Give them the definition of the word reproach. Bless you when men shall reproach you. Great definition. One of the best in the Bible. Reproach. O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. Aniedzo means infamous. It means you're not supposed to be famous. You're supposed to be infamous, infamous, the opposite of famous. You've got to be famous to be a star, don't you? If you're going to be a star real estate salesman, you've got to get your name out there where a lot of people like it and they like you. You've got to be popular to have a big business are you saying i'm not supposed to have a big business well yeah <laughs> you can't have as you can't be as popular as you want to be i found i want to be popular years ago i want everybody to like me i want to be a star i want to be a singing star and i woke up after studying the bible more and more and more i'm not supposed to be that now, let's get back to these kings. All right. Now, we're with Jeroboam. Let me just give you a couple of these verses about Jeroboam. Look here in 1 Kings 12. Let's just read a couple of these. 1 Kings 12 and... Now, there's another Jeroboam. You'll notice that on your sheet. There's a Jeroboam down the, down the way here. You start off with Jeroboam up here, and you get down here. Jeroboam the second. He's not quite as evil as his namesake up here, Jeroboam the first. If you're speaking Hebrew, J's are not pronounced J's. They're usually pronounced... 
why Yeroboam, but we're not going to get into that. We're just going to call it Jeroboam. That's what it looks like. There are no J's in the Hebrew. A J is a is a yod. That's a Y. It's the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's a jot. A tittle is the smallest marking on a Hebrew alphabet. One jot, one tittle will not pass from the law. It's that little tit there. You can, if you take the tittle off, you change a K to a B. And you can't do that. God said one jot or one tittle will not pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And the Pharisees changed the jots and the tittles. And the guys today have changed the meaning of his words. We're living in the same evil times we were living back in the Old Testament. Now, now Jeroboam, Jeroboam does his tricks here in, in this, at the end of the 11th chapter. The 11th chapter is where, where Solomon marries all these 700 wives and 300 concubines. By the end of this chapter, Jeroboam has introduced the golden calf. And that was a title to northern Israel. As long as they kept the golden calf. That's why you'll find some of these kings, they'll take Bel and the Grove out of Israel, but they won't take the golden calf out. That's like a title to the throne of northern Israel. Now look here in... in... Uh, 1 Kings 12 and verse 2. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, it'll always call him the son of Nebat. Nebat, you can't find Nebat anywhere else in the Bible other than Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. You can look in McClinic and Strong under Nebat. It will tell you that Jerome, the historian, Jerome, the historian has coupled Nebat with Shimei, S-H-E-I-M-A-I. Shimei was the guy from Benjamin when, gosh, I can't go into all this, was of the tribe of Benjamin, and when David was king of the tribe of Judah, and his son Absalom was running him out of Jerusalem because Absalom wanted to take over the kingdom, it was Shimei that as David left, and he's coming to the Jordan River, and he's running away from Jerusalem, and he's taking these three kings with him. I asked you last week, are these three generals with him? Who were his three generals? great commanders Joab was absolutely the finest man in Israel besides his brother who was his brother Abishai Abishai and they had one other huh well that was their brother but they had another general Asahel had died some years before that he was the Gittite the Gittite was a man that loved David with all his heart, and he was a Philistine. But evidently, David had made friends with him. So he took these running away, and Shimei, over there in Second Samuel, this, huh? 
Gittai. His name was Gittai. G-I-T-T-A-I. He was the he was the Philistine that loved David. He said, where you go, I'll go. If you die, I will die. Boy, you could have a better friend than that. He was, he was a faithful friend. But what, a, what, what a story that he loved David that much. Then, where was I? Got so many people up there. All right. Shimei in the 16th chapter of 2 Samuel. David is leaving town, running from Absalom and his army. Absalom is out to kill his father, David. I don't understand that. It was, it was because he wanted the kingdom and all the power and the money. And as they were leaving town, Abishai was by David everywhere he went. That was Abishai and Joab were his nephews, and they were two fierce fighters. In fact, do you remember how Joab became his commanding general? Does anybody remember that? Huh? I can't hear you. <laughs> he went there to go and fight the Jebusites. He won. Well, he fought the Jebusites. David said, whoever goes in and conquers Jebus, Jebus was the town that was there before Jerusalem was there. He said, whoever conquers Jebus gets to be my commander. And it was his nephew. Joab that brought the army and said, let's go get them. And he conquered Jebus. And David said, you are my commander in chief. And Joab was a killer. He was a murderer. He murdered Amasa, his first cousin. He murdered Abner, an honorable man who was Saul's commander of his armies. He was always killing somebody. And boy, there came a time when these two nephews of David, Joab and Abishai, David said, these sons of Zeruiah, Zeruiah was their mother. That was David's sister. He said, these sons of Zeruiah, however you want to pronounce it, he said, they're too hard for me. Abishai, when, when Shemaiah was throwing stones at David, look over there in the 16th chapter. 2 Samuel. This is where Shimei, Shimei was, he hated David because he said, you stole my master's throne. He was a follower of King Saul. Saul had tried to murder David from the 16th chapter of 1 Samuel all the way to the end of the book. Saul was trying to kill him because God took Saul off the throne and gave the throne to David in southern Judah. And when King David, verse 5, 
came to Bahurim, they're running for their lives, trying to get out of Jerusalem. Behold, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul. David's king now, Saul's dead. Whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. Jerome said he was a descendant. Says that Nebat was a descendant of Gera. So when you got Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, what a name. Don't name your kid Nebat or Naboth or Nadab. I got triplets, Naboth, Nadab, and Nebat. Naboth would be okay because he was a righteous man. Uh, he came forth and cursed till he came. He's screaming and cursing at David. And he cast stones at David and at the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man. David, I want to kill you. And thou man of Belial, another name for Satan, he's calling David the devil. And the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul. Boy, he's blaming David for Saul's death when God killed Saul in that last chapter of 1 Samuel. In whose stead thou hast reigned? He didn't reign in Saul's stead as far as God was concerned. He was of the tribe of Judah and he was the first king the first legitimate king. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. Absalom's take it over. Take that, David. And Absalom was chasing David with his army. And David loved Absalom. I can't figure out why. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, David. Because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, his nephew, Uncle David, I'll go kill that dead dog. He has no right to curse you that way. But David is reminded he's committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her cousin, had her husband killed in battle. So he don't feel anything but guilty. And he says one of the greatest things that you and I can learn right here. Abishai, and then said Abishai, his nephew, the son of Zeruiah, David's sister, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and I pray thee and take off his head. Abishai wasn't afraid of nothing. He killed many men in Babel. That 23rd chapter of 1 Samuel will tell you all about Abishai. He was a bad guy to mess with. And the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? Shut up, Abishai. Let him curse. Because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. I need that. Who shall say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold my son, Absalom, which came out of my bowels, 
seeks my life. He wants to take over. How much more? Now may this Benjamite do it. Let him alone. Let him curse. The Lord hath bidden him to throw stones and curse me. I need that. You ever feel that way when your enemy turns on you? David was really repentant. His heart was broken. He said, Shammai needs to curse me. Now, Shammai is going to get his comeuppance later on in 1 Kings. Solomon is going to see to that. David will be dead by the time Shammai gets his, by the time God gets his revenge on Shammai. Now, let's go back over here. I want to look at some of these kings. It's going to take me a long time to go through this. Huh? Verse 12, what did you say? What did you say? Well, I want to read a couple of these. Let me read a couple of these. And look over here in First uh, Kings 16. First Kings 16. When God wanted to express the evil of a man, he would use Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Boy, that's not a good name. 16 and 3. 16 and 3. The word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanani. This is not the Jehu that is going to be. It's 1 Kings 16 and 3. That's Jehu. That's another Jehu. That the Jehu that's going to be king over there in Second Kings is going to be Jehu the son of Nimshi. This is Jehu. This is one of his ancestors here. He's the one. The next Jehu, the second Jehu, will kill the 70 sons of Ahab. He will make sure that Jezebel is dead. But then the word of the Lord came to Jehu the son of Hanani against Baasha, one of the evil, wicked kings of northern Israel. Very wicked. Saying, For as much as I exalted thee out of the dust and made thee prince over my people Israel, and thou hast walked in the way of Jeroboam, and hast made my people to sin, to provoke me to anger, with their sins. And he uses Jeroboam to express this evil. Look here in 1626. 1626. Speaking of Omri, Omri was an evil king. He was the father of Ahab. Boy. Verse 25, And Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all that were before him. And he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. 
When you see that, that means this was a wicked, godless king. And then let me give you a couple of more. Verse 31. Now, by you get to verse 31, and Ahab is king. This is right before Ahab sets up Baal in the grove as the national god and goddess of Israel, northern Israel. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for Ahab to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Bethbaal, the king of the Zidonians, went and served Baal and worshipped him. Let me give you a couple of more of these. Look at First Kings twenty-one, twenty-two. Twenty-one, twenty-two, and this is talking about the death where Ahab and Jezebel murder Naboth. Naboth's a righteous man. They he did it to steal his land, because Naboth said, "God forbids me to sell you my land, which was close by the palace of Ahab." Verse 21, I'll bring evil upon thee and will take away thy posterity and will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel and will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And anytime you find some king is like Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, it's trying to express just how evil he was. You see, isn't that crude language? To cut off him that pisseth against the wall, that's only men. And what are you saying? I will kill all the men that are like Jeroboam. That way they can't have children and raise up sons to come against righteous kings. And he uses that expression all through the Bible. Now let's go back over here. Let's go back, back up to... 1 Kings, the 14th chapter. Jeroboam has really fixed himself with God. He's raised up the golden calf in Israel. You can read that in the 12th chapter yourself. When you get here in this 14th chapter, Jeroboam has got a son. His name is Ahijah. A-H-I-J-A-H. This is the son of Jeroboam. God is put out with Jeroboam. In that 12th chapter, he's brought out the golden calf. Now you're going to notice uh, the kings that will put down Bell in the grove, they don't put down the golden calf. Even Jehu didn't put down the golden calf. You're going, wow, Why? If you have the golden calf, it's like a title to northern Israel, and it'll keep all the other tribes from going back and joining southern Judah. So they all stay separated with the golden calf, their title. Not that they were believing in it so much. It was just their title deed. Now here in the 14th chapter, God says, I've had my fill of Jeroboam. At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, 
I pray thee, and disguise thyself that thou be not known to be the wife of Jeroboam. Put on a disguise. And arise, get thee to Shiloh. There is Ahijah. Now notice, Abijah. is the son of Jeroboam. And Ahijah is the prophet at that time. Boy, sure sounds... See, you won't learn this if you don't pay close attention. Hi, a B, and an H. That's the difference. This is the prophet. And Jeroboam says to his wife disguise yourself though he won't recognize you and the spirit of the Lord comes to Jeroboam or to excuse me Ahijah and says Jeroboam's wife is going to come in disguised you do what you need to do with her and Ahijah is blind you can't see she gets to the house and she starts to come in he said, is that Jeroboam's wife that's coming into my house? I've got some bad news for you. She's wanting to know, is my son going to live? He says, he's not going to live. He's going to die because of the sin your husband. And that's where you come to in this chapter here. He says that. He says some interesting things about Jeroboam. Verse 10, chapter 14. Therefore, behold, I will bring evil upon the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam him that the males that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and left in it. You say, Jim, that sounds crude. That's all. When God would say, I want you to go out and emasculate, bring back the foreskins of a hundred Philistines to David, that meant to completely cut off all the genitals, put them in a sack and bring them to me. That way I know that false Philistines cannot raise up enemies to God's people. God had a, had a crude way of saying, let's get rid of anything that can rise up against God's people. That's why he took the 70 heads of the sons of Ahab and said, I want them all in a sack. And when nobody can rise up out of Ahab's house, make a claim to the throne of Israel, just cut everybody's head off that belongs to Ahab or kin to him, and they can't rise up. When you cut a man's head off, he can't do much. And shall take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as a man taketh away dung till it be all gone. Him that dieth of Jeroboam, this is verse 11, chapter 14, first Kings. Him that dieth of Jeroboam in the city shall the dogs eat, and him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. The Lord has spoken it. That's the way it's going to be. People say, God wouldn't create evil. He sure will. He'll kill evil men. Arise, therefore, and get thee talking to Ahijah, Abijah. Arise, get thee, therefore, get thine, thee to thine own house. When thy feet enter into the city, the child shall die. That's God's judgments against Jeroboam. Whew. You think God is fooling around? 
He ain't. Now, look here in 14th chapter, verse 31. Rehoboam slept with his fathers. Rehoboam has does it a lot more. You're not going to be able to find all these kings in one book. You got to look at First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles. One book, one will have something the other doesn't have. It will have a similar view of all the stories in all these books. Chronicles. C-H-R-O-N. Alright. You're going to have from both of these you're going to have a similar view. And one will have details that another doesn't have. In the in First Samuel in First Samuel the 24th chapter the Bible will tell you that David was real proud and he numbered Israel because of all of these men that he had, all these mighty men that he had in Second Samuel. He starts naming all of them, the 23rd chapter. And in the 24th chapter, that's where he numbers the men. And that'll tell you that in first in second samuel second samuel the 24th chapter it'll tell you that he numbered the men and he numbers them in the 23rd chapter but it tell you it doesn't tell you how many there are but if you go over to second chronicles it tell you david had over a million men and he's being proud of all of that numbering. He think he thinks this is. I'm going to put a dollar sign there. <laughs> he has a million men, and he it's actually about a million and a half. And they'll tell you that in Second Chronicles, but it doesn't tell you that. Doesn't tell you how many over here. So he's taking credit for all of his victories. He's right at the end of his life, and it'll tell you how many he had over here. And he's bragging on that, and he is forgotten. When Saul was chasing him all over Israel, he had at the most 600 men, usually had 400 following him. God says, it wasn't the number of men that made you win, David. It was me. The Philistines at one point had trapped David up in a dead-end canyon. He couldn't get out. He had no way out. And all of a sudden, and Saul was ready to attack David and kill him. All of a sudden, Saul gets a message. The Philistines are attacking Jerusalem. He says, I either kill David or go defend Jerusalem. So he took off. God had the Philistines to attack Jerusalem. And Saul was trapping David, had him right where he wanted, had his, had a chokehold on David. God made the Philistines attack Jerusalem. Saul didn't have any choice. He had to pull off and go. This is the whole point about our lives. We want to force situations and win battles 
when the battle belongs to the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Does the most of you listen to your own understanding? I'm going to get mad at them. I'm going to get revenge. Did you know that Saul, that David all the time, Saul was trying to kill him from that 16th chapter up to the 31st chapter? David never put down Saul. He never put down anybody. He just did the will of God. Just like just like Joseph when he was sold by his brothers into Egypt. He never put anybody down. He applied himself when he got into prison. He became the leader of the prison, the turnkey, the head turnkey in charge of the keys. He never put anybody down. Paul never did say, those guys over there in Asia, and they tried to kill me over there at Lystra. I'm going to get them. He didn't do that. What we need to do is trust in the Lord. Has anybody had any problems that upset you? <laughs> Stop that. I keep saying that to everybody. God has arranged it all. He works all things after the counts of his own will, doesn't he? Doesn't he? In everything, give thanks, including those things you want to get upset at. Even false teachers. Huh? Even false teachers. Even false teachers. We can... The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Be angry is the word orgizomai. O-R-G-I-Z-O-M-A-I. That's, that's where to be furious at the winds of doctrine that make the church apathetic. But if you sin, you are gay. That's feminine gender. That's the anger of wrath. It's a Babylonian wrath. And Babylon was the mother, feminine, of let us make us a name. We're not supposed to be coming up with our own way of conquering things, are we? We're not supposed to be getting people back. We're supposed to be telling the truth and living in it and let God do with our enemies what he wants to do in his time. We're not supposed to be saying, I'm going to get them back. That's the orgay. Now, how much time do I have, Mike? I'm not getting very far into this. All right. Now, where I want you to go. I'm going to introduce you to Asa. A man that I just, when I first read about him, I thought, this is one of the best men in all the Bible. And he was till he got old. Have you forgotten who has conquered your enemies when you were young. Israel forgot. They forgot. When they got to Kadesh Barnea, right down here in the desert, on that tongue there, that tongue is the Sinai Peninsula. And they got up here to Kadesh Barnea, and God told them to go in and to conquer the men of Anak. A-N-A-K. And the Anakims were real tall men, big, 
they were probably the ancestors of Goliath. And they had all these men from 20 years old and upward went into the land to spy out the land. From They were encamped at just south of Israel in the desert. Just south of Israel in that desert. And they were encamped there and they went in to spy the land. They came back to Moses and said, we can't go in there. They're too big. They had completely forgotten. Maybe you've forgotten how God has conquered something for you. They had forgotten that God drowned the largest, most powerful army in the world at that time. Pharaoh and all of his armies was drowned in the Red Sea, and God did it. They forgot. So just the fact that they forgot, God said, I want all the, all the men 20 years old. 20 was draft age in Israel. I want all the men 20 years old and upward. We're going to make you wander through the wilderness. A year for every day you were in there spying out the land of Anak. Anak is the same thing of what we call the Gaza Strip. It was the same thing as the land of the Philistines where they had all those cities of the Philistines. And so Moses says, you're going to wonder, you were in that land spying it out for 40 days, a year for every day, until every one of you 20 years old and upward is dead. I'm going to see to it that you die, because you didn't believe me. Now, God's very strict on How does this apply to us? He says, I'm going to put you through fire and trials till that outer man dies off. You've got an inner man and an outer man. The outer man has to die. At 80 years old, I don't have the desires I had at 40. I don't even have the desires I had at 60. I just don't care about those things anymore. I don't care about new cars. I don't care about clothes. I don't care about... When you see me up here, these are my dress clothes. These are for Sunday only. These colored shirts are just for wearing on Sunday. I don't wear any of them out in public. What I wear out in public is a T-shirt with something on it that says God does not love everybody. I got 40 or 50 of them. I wear them in the winter so I can take my shirt off. People say, what does that shirt mean? And I... This is something I do all the time. I just don't care about fancy things no more. You know the word fancy. You know what that means? Imagine. You're imagining you're prettier if you got a big diamond ring. Do you actually think that Elizabeth Taylor, when she was gorgeous in 1951, she could be prettier with a diamond necklace on? She couldn't. That'd just steal from her looks. She was one of the best-looking women I think it's ever lived. When she's young, she looked like an old hag when she got old. <laughs> that does that to you when you get old. All right, now where was I? I'm going to introduce you to, a to Asa. I loved him the first time I met him. Here in the 15th chapter of First Kings, now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, now where's Jeroboam reigning? 
northern Israel. On your the fifteenth year of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, reigned Abijam over Judah. So Abijah is here. And the, this year of Jeroboam, Abijah's reigning in southern Judah. Now let's keep reading. You gotta pay attention to where each one of them's reigning. Jeroboam the son of Mebat is reigning in northern Israel, and Abijah is starts reigning in Judah, southern Israel. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Maaka, the daughter of Abishalom. And he walked in all the sins of his father. Well, who is his father? It's on your it's on your paper here. Rehoboam. Rehoboam wasn't a real nice guy. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. All these guys here, their surviving kingdom is all sons of each other. Rehoboam's son was Abijah's son, was Asa's, his son was Josephat, Jehoram, Ahaziah. Athaliah was that witch, daughter of, of uh, Ahab and Jezebel. So you can, you got to leave her in there because she was in there a while until uh, you get on down here to Azariah, Jotham, Ahaz, and so forth on down here. Now, let's keep reading. I'm introducing you to Asa. He walked in all the sins of his father, talking about Abijah. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord as his, as his God as the heart of David his father. Nevertheless, for David's sake, did the Lord his God give him a lamp in Jerusalem and set up his son after him to establish Jerusalem. Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. He repented of his sin. And turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only the matter of Uriah the Hittite. That's the only place David transgressed against God. It broke his heart when Nathan said, Thou art the man, and he wept and cried and said, I only have sinned. And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of their life. Their kingdom was split. If you read the 11th chapter of Isaiah, it says, at the end of time, there'll be no more breach between Ephraim and Judah. They'll become one at the end of time. We must be there. And Abijah slept with his fathers. All the rest of the acts of Abijah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of Chronicles? When you study the Chronicles, you can see Abijah. Now the kings of Judah, and there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. And Abijah slept with his fathers. He dies. And they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. And I really liked Asa when I first read about him. Just did some of the most unbelievable things. 
And in the twentieth year of Jeroboam, the king of Israel, reigned Asa in southern Judah. You can find him right here, southern Judah. Asa, right there. It gives you the dates that he reigned approximately. And forty and one years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Maacah, the daughter of Babishalom. And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. And he took away the Sodomites out of the land, removed all the idols that his fathers had made, and also Maacah his mother, even her he removed from being queen. I thought he's not going to honor his mother because she had made an idol in a grove and Asa destroyed his own mother's idol and burned it by the brook Kidron. Are you willing to tell your mother the truth about her idols of Christ's mass? Yeah. What do I say to my mother? Do what Asa did. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his days. And he brought in the things which his father had de dedicated and the things which himself had dedicated unto the Lord, silver and gold vessels. And there was war between Asa and Baasha, king of northern Israel, all their days. That's why I want to take you over to Second Chronicles. There's war between the two of them. They made a league. And Asa goes to... Go over here to Second Chronicles 14 chapter. i got to show you what Asa did. Good name. Asa. 14th chapter. It's talking about Abijah, the evil king. Slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son reigned in his stead. And in his days was the land was quiet ten years. How do you get quietness in the land? Obey God. Huh? Obey God. You obey God. You obedient to God. Thank you. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of strange gods. He wiped Jerusalem, wiped Israel clean. And the high places and break down the images and cut down the groves. And commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and his commandments. He's laying the law down. And also he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places, the images, the kingdom was quiet before him. That's what Deuteronomy 28 says. It says, if you're obedient to me, you'll go against your enemy one way, then they'll flee seven ways. But the worst of this and the best is yet to come. And he built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. God said, I'll give you rest. If, let me tell you, he'll give you rest in your life. Oh, you obey him and quit trying to fix things yourself. Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities and make 
about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God. We can advance now. You can advance in your life, not the way you want to advance, the way God wants you to. We have sought him and he hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of men that bear targets and spears out of Judah. 300,000 men he had. And out of Benjamin that bear shields and drew bows, 200, four score thousand. A score is 20, four score is 80. He had 580,000 fighters. But that ain't nothing to what he's going to have to face. Continue to read. And all were mighty men of valor. And they came out against Asa. Zerah the Ethiopians were the host of a million men. And 300 chariots. These were always chariots of iron. And you couldn't fight iron chariots. Chariots of iron. Those wheels had scythes, little swords on them. When they ran at you, it would just cut the people down. They had no way they could get away from these iron chariots and a million men. But if if we can learn to pray the prayer of Asa, Asa prayed the greatest prayer in the Bible. Let's read on. And Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zarephath in Maresha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, I love this prayer. It is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God. For we rest upon thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. I love the end of this prayer. O oh Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. He didn't say me. He said, don't let man prevail against you. And God didn't. And why is he going to win? He's cleaned out Israel of all their idols. And they go out there and clean the slate of these Ethiopians. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. How? Only God knows that. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerir, and the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves. A million men and three hundred chariots of iron were overthrown by half as many. For they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host. If you think God cannot solve your problems, we get in a hurry and get ahead of God. God, I got to fix this. I got to fix this guy. Fix these people. I got to fix my family. You can't fix nothing. 
God will fix what he wants to fix. And they carried away very much spoil, and they smote all the cities round about Gerir, for the fear of the Lord came upon them and spoiled all their cities, for there were exceeding much spoil in them, and they smote also the tents of cattle and carried away sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem with half as numbers men and no chariots. Now, I thought you said Asa messed up at the end of life. He did in the 16th chapter. He's trusting God all through this 14th chapter. How much time do I have, Mike? Maybe I can cover this. Look here in the 16th chapter. Asa, in the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that it might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. They're going to put a toll road or toll bridge or a toll fence up to make money. And Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Assyria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There's a league. We have an agreement between me and you, Ben-Hadad, you pagan heathen king. Asa, you're not supposed to be making deals with pagans, and we're not supposed to be either. Asa's going to pursue the help from a pagan heathen king up here in Syria, up here in Syria, to come help him fight the king of northern Israel. That's not what he's supposed to do. That's not what he did in the 14th chapter. He said, let not man prevail against thee, Lord. If we can get that in our heads. Christians have a hard time doing that, don't we? We want to get them ourselves. And ben had hearkened unto King Asa and sent the captains of the armies against the cities of northern Israel. And they smote Ijon and Dan and Abel Manim and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Baasha heard it, he left off building Ramah and let his work cease. Then Asa king took all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof and wherewith Baasha was building and he built therein Gibbon Mishpah. And at that time Hanani the seer, the prophet of God, comes to Asa. Came to Asa king of Judah and said unto him, Why didn't you go to God like you did in this 14th chapter? Do you think you have to employ a heathen to fight another heathen? Because Baasha was acting like a heathen. And Ben-Hadad was a heathen. Thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God. Therefore the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hands. Were not the Ethiopians over there and the Lubims over in the 14th chapter? Were they a huge host? They had a million 
And God conquered them. What makes you think he can't conquer your problems? Boy, I have learned that in my old age. I've learned not to fight anyone. Let God do the fighting. Have you learned that yet? With very many chariots and horsemen, yet because thou didst rely, did not rely on the Lord, uh, when you did rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thy hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth. What are the eyes of the Lord? The rainbow. It's the seven candlesticks, isn't it? Out of Zechariah, the fourth chapter. And the seven candlesticks are the seven churches of Asia in Revelation, the first chapter. So the Revelation, the first chapter, the seven candlesticks are the refined church is the eyes of the Lord. I don't have time to go into this. To run through and through the whole earth to show themselves strong in behalf of them, in behalf of the church whose heart is perfect towards God. Herein thou hast done foolishly. The prophet is prophesying to Asa, you did foolish, you didn't. Here you are old. And you haven't relied on God. Have you done that in your old age? I'm afraid sometimes I have a tendency to want to do that. Therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. You didn't depend on God. He was so impressive in that 14th chapter, wasn't he? And then Asa was wroth with the prophet Hanani. He got mad at him and put him in prison house. He's one guy when I ask when I get to heaven, why did you do that? And put him in prison house for he was in a rage with him because of this thing that he said to him, his correction. When you're corrected, be like David. Say, I have sinned. I'm sorry. And Asa oppressed some of the people the same time Asa is an enigma to me as much as Solomon as much as Saul boy there's some real doozies in the Bible in there Asa pressed some of the people the time and behold the acts of Asa first and last lo they are written in the book of the kings we read about him in first kings the 15th chapter. And Judah and Israel and Asa in the 39th year of his reign was diseased in his feet. You think it was because of sin? It had to be a really bad disease until his disease was exceeding great. Yet his disease, he sought not the Lord but the physicians. This was from God. Ace is a good example for us to learn to trust God and stop trusting ourselves when things get tight and they get hard and, and we think, well, I've got to take over for God now. No, you don't. When he says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, you're just supposed to believe God the way... The older I get, I'm not going to fight anybody. I've had a lot of people here want to fight me. I won't fight you again. It's over. You can come here and 
started something, I said, well, it's time for you to leave now. I'm going to trust God. God give me the strength. I'm going to trust him in every situation. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and the 40th year of his reign. And they buried him in his own sepulcher, which he had made for himself in the city of David, and laid him in the bed which was filled with sweet odors and divers kinds of spices prepared by the apothecary's art. And they made a very great burning for Asa. And then you get in Jehoshaphat, the next chapter. I don't have time to go there, but we've already talked about Jehoshaphat. He's the son of Asa. He was a good man, too. He just ran around with the wrong people. Ahab. Hey, do I have any? Am I out of time, Mike? I hope this can help you. I want to keep introducing you to these kings. This is everything that Christmas and Valentine's and Easter is about. I read a Valentine's paper Wednesday night. It's just totally heathen. comes out of the same system as Christmas and Mardi Gras. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for truth. God, help us to rely on you. Not to rely on our own thoughts or ways. Teach us to be bold before people. Not to be abrasive, but to be kind to them and gentle, but firm with the truth. Thank you for your word, for revealing what we're supposed to be through the characters of this book, the Bible. Fight our battles. We, we really mean that, Lord. I don't just say that when I pray just to fill up a prayer. I really desire for you to fight every battle we have. Lead us to your elect family. We'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen.